Welcome to the 7 Innings Podcast. Available on ESPN, ESPNW, on your iTunes. Got another great show lined up for you as we head into the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 of the Basketball Championships. We'll have a little preview of our Elite 8, who we think right now are the front runners for the Women's College World Series. We're going to talk pitchers who also hit it really well. We have a massive showdown, Arizona and Arizona State to preview. All kinds of good things. You're not going to believe one of our shagging stats, what a week it was for uh, someone down at Southern Miss. All of that good stuff is coming up. BMO, Ho-Ro, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, and Jimmy with you. Let's talk about one of our, not only one of our favorite people, one of our favorite coaching staffs. If you're following along, get your lineup card at 7 Innings Podcast. They've been together for 21 years at Michigan and over a thousand wins now, winning 80% of their games, wearing the maize and blue, Carol Hutchins, Bonnie Thole, and Jen Brundage. What do we think about what they have been able to accomplish, including a national championship? Hail to the victor, valiant hail to the conquering hero, hail, hail. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> what you got, bro? Scar, bro? Go ahead, Kayla. I mean, I just think number one, it's impressive that you get a thousand wins, but to do it together and be a cohesive coaching staff and be on the same page for 20 years, I think that's what impresses me most. And I love that coaching staff. I remember when they came to Tuscaloosa, they are fun to be around, let me tell you. Yeah, that 2005 Women's College World Series was probably my favorite and most memorable whenever Jenny Ritter was in the circle and Michigan was competing for a national championship and won it. I just get goosebumps thinking about hearing you guys call it Beth and Holly and Michelle. Um, but Michigan, no matter the talent that they have on the field, whether it's in the circle or at the plate, their coaching staff always figures out a way to win. And they, they get blue-collared, hard-nosed kids who are going to go and fight for them and just not fight in February and not just fight in February, but are excuse me, in May, but every single game in between. And, and Michigan, you just know that you're going to um, go up against a team that is is going to go hard and go hard all the time from pitch number one until the very end. When I think of that staff, I think of trust and love. I think they trust each other implicitly. I think they love and support each other implicitly. And I can remember two key moments. Um, I remember being at the World Series and Jen Brundage and her husband had just bought a new house and were moving at the World Series. She's like at the World Series and people in Michigan are trying to help her move back home. It just, you know, all the life changes they've gone through together. And then I always will get funny texts from them whenever they see me on TV. And my favorite one I ever got was, I remember doing a story about Danielle Laurie struggling with the softballs. You know, they bring out these new softballs at the World Series and it was sweaty and it was damp. And I guess I did a report about, um, how she was having trouble with the slippery balls. And I remember Jen Brundage like <laughs> texting me like, you just said that on TV. Stop it. So that's a little off topic, but that's one of my funniest texts I've gotten from the Michigan coaching staff. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, just to add on that, Holly, I totally agree. It's the mindset. It's the, the fact that they have humor, but they work hard. The thing that I love about Hutch though is when you interview her in game, when they're down, all she cares about is that her kids are competing. And she's like, we're not competing right now. We need to compete. I mean, to her, it's all about the battle. And if they're laying out and doing everything they can and competing at the highest level possible, they are all in as a coaching staff and love what their kids are doing. But I, I love that mindset, compete. And you know, a lot of times the team that uh, has the greatest will or competes the hardest in the game typically ends up winning. I think we, uh, we all agreed, right? We had a little uh, uh, poll a few years ago and that Sam Finley home run, I think was the most considered the most iconic moment uh, in women's college world series history. So uh, congratulations to them and what they've been able to put together in, in all these years and watch out. They're getting better, right? They have 10 losses right now. They're at towards the bottom of the pole, but I think they're going to be a team now, Megan Bobian starting to get things rolling for them. They find themselves offensively as the weather starts to get a little bit better, hopefully in the Midwest. Uh, certainly a team that you can never count out late in the season. I love the fact that now in multiple back-to-back weeks, 
We have said ass on the air and slippery balls on the air. We are setting <laughs> a standard, people. <laughs> Speaking of setting standards, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Patty Gasso is going to love this segue. But let's move on now to Oklahoma, okay? Because this is another this is another team that has the ball rolling right now. 19 game winning streak, 28 Big 12 wins in a row. And what Coach Gasso said, right now her team is living that championship mindset. Guys, we talked about a huge series last weekend in Lubbock. It was all boomer, all business. They hit nine home runs in the series and rolled. You know, I actually – oh, sorry. Uh, I just saw the sign for Michelle. One second. Go ahead, second. Go, ahead. Sorry. go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Jump in, Holly. Come on. Uh, for people listening, we're all on this Google Hangout so we can all see each other. And Jimmy's holding up signs to tell us when to talk, who talks when. So I apologize. I saw that one second too late. <laughs> um, so I had a chance to talk to Patty Gasso and do an interview with her last week before the Texas Tech series. And the things that stood out to me um, that we talked about is is they are playing great defense. They lead the nation in ERA with 1.13 ERA as a staff. Mariah Lopez is up there. But the most important thing is Giselle Juarez, who transferred from Arizona State, is rounding into form. If you'll remember when we saw Oklahoma in February and that loss to Florida State, she wasn't herself. And uh, Patty Gaslow told me that, you know, we learned, we're, we're learning each other. She came in and we had kind of asked her to change some things of a style that this is how we work and this is how we do things. And they realized they had changed too much. And so she's gone back to some things she was doing previously and, and she's found herself again. So look out. They've got a hot G Juarez. Mariah Lopez is also very strong and they're also leading the nation in hitting 360. Yeah, and, and Holly, it's that, uh, it's that mindset, that championship mindset. Patty Gasso is a master at telling her kids what to believe. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And from day one, when they walk out on that field, she's telling them championship, championship, win, win, win. And and those kids buy into it. And that's really what it's all about. It is hard to beat a confident team that believes in themselves. Because let's face it, when you're only focused on yourself, it doesn't matter who's walking on the field. Yes, you scout them, you you know, you know, look at how you're going to attack them. But if you're playing your A game day in and day out, you're going to win games. And that's what Patty Gasso and that staff is so good at doing. Michelle, to your point, win, 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 that Patty Gasso just tells her team all the time, they've won 49 straight conference series. They have not lost a conference series in the Big 12 since 2011. So they go on crazy win streaks. They're at 28 or 29 uh, game win streak within the Big 12 right now. And so they know how to win and nobody's really challenged them in the Big 12. And hopefully maybe you see a Texas team challenge them. They have a series down in Austin that will be really good. But Holly, you're talking about their pitching. I think that was a big question mark for Oklahoma with losing both of the pages is how their pitching was going to be. Well, all three of their pitchers are in the top 30 in ERA, and we talk a lot about G. Juarez and Mariah Lopez, but Shannon Sale, who's a transfer for them, is coming in a ton of relief opportunities, and she's getting it done too. She's in the top 10 in ERA, so she's a big arm that they got along with G. Juarez coming in from the transfers. Yeah, we may hear a little bit more about Shannon Sale coming up. We got a seventh inning stretch later in the podcast where we're going to name our midseason player of the year, story of the year, possibly transfer of the year. We have the Sooners on our air, not this weekend, but mark your calendars. Next weekend, April 6th, against Baylor on ESPN. Something to keep an, uh, keep an eye out for the Sooners. No team since Arizona in 2001, 18 years ago, has finished the year in the top three in the country in batting average, ERA, and fielding percentage. Right now, the Sooners are on pace to do that with that championship mindset. All right. We are moving down the roster, moving down the lineup card, Let's update what was going on in the SEC. It was a very busy week. Bama lost for the first time. Missouri and LSU, huge sweeps this past weekend. And look at the Auburn Tigers creep, 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 creeping up the pole this week. That getting was creepy. very close that was creepy. to the top ten. We did, I was hoping Jimmy <laughs> might have some. Why do I need it when you can do that? That's great. <laughs> little creepy music. So I'll add my- I'll add my own. Bro, what say you about the SEC that last weekend? 
Hey, well, you know, I got to, I was at Auburn uh, last week and that team, I mean, they're, like you said, kind of sneakily finding their way, creeping up the rankings and they can just flat out hit. Kendall Beach has 15 home runs. They have more walks and strikeouts. They have seven hitters above 315. I mean, the Tigers are doing extremely well. The only hiccup that they might have is that Michaela Martin is out indefinitely from an injury. Um, and she has been their ace in the circle this season and they've really relied on her a lot for a, a lot of innings this season. So I think it's just going to be dependent on how long she stays out, if they can keep it moving. That's huge, huge news off the planes. Uh, that, that's going to be big for them because they're doing it at the plate. They lead the SEC in batting average and in slugging percentage. Um, Alabama lost for the first time. They got close. Uh, they got close to the tying the record, came up a couple of games short. And then Missouri – Wow, going at I mean, Kentucky was in first place and not anymore. They went in there and took three on the road. And LSU, you guys saw against Georgia this past weekend, slammed them. Well, it just seems like the SEC is up for grabs this year, doesn't it? Everybody is beaten up on everybody, uh, with the exception of Alabama, who just has one loss. They got their first loss last weekend in College Station. I was actually there for the first two games to see my alma mater, A&M, unfortunately get run-ruled for the first two games. And it seems to be that A&M just plays like a different team in game three of a series. But it was really fun to see Alabama in person and um, and see Montana Fouts pitch. I sat behind home plate, got to see her throw 69, 70 miles an hour, throw on both sides of the plate, go up, go down. She can really do it all. But what impressed me the most about Alabama was their confidence. They came into College Station from pitch number one. They were confident at the plate. And when you think about the type of offense that they have, they have speed. They have power from both sides, left side and right side. This is a truly not deep roster, but a deep offense in the sense that they're one through nine and give you a lot of different looks offensively. Yeah, and Amanda, what I find interesting about this year, the SEC, we always know it's strong, the number of teams that they uh, get into the NCAA tournament every year. But coming into this season, Florida was picked number one, Georgia picked number two by the coaches. Okay, these are the coaches. You think they know about each other. They scout each other, recruit against each other. Um, and those two teams have struggled here in the first couple of series. So, You've got, as you mentioned, Alabama just doing great. LSU has been lights out. They look so good. Last weekend in Baton Rouge against Florida, they went into Athens and were outstanding against a a Georgia team that everybody thought would be second. So you know what it just says at the SEC? You never know until that game is over. So I wanted to just give Alabama a shout out. That 33-0 start was the longest in school history, the third longest in the NCAA So kudos to them. But I think it's really impressive what LSU did going into Georgia and sweeping Georgia. It's the first time that they have swept them in Athens since 2001. I mean, there were kids on this team that weren't born the last time that happened. So that is a huge monumental thing for LSU. They hit um, 500. They had, you know, they were really good in what they were able to accomplish there. And um, I'm just really impressed with what they did on the road. This LSU team, I think, is is the team in the SEC, maybe besides Missouri, that's surprising me the most right now. Like, they, they have consistent firepower. Uh, Shamaya Sanchez, you know, there have just been some really great um, moments for LSU at the plate and in the pitching circle. Yeah, I, I would back that up, Holly. I, uh, Shamaya Sanchez, is she the most improved player in the league, or is it Bailey Hemphill from, from Alabama? Uh, some great stories for those two teams moving forward, and um, that's huge again for Missouri if you're following along. I think, Jimmy Softball, you got an update for us, right, on, wh- on whether or not they are going to appeal a postseason ban. We're still keeping an eye on whether or not the Tigers will play in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament this year. Jimmy? Yeah, this week Missouri put in their uh, appeal to the NCAA. Um, it's, it's football, basketball, and softball, but uh, we'll see see how things go as we get down closer to the end of the season. Uh, Beth, you mentioned you know the 500 record is big in getting in, and they may take that ban if they don't get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're about. I think they're four uh, games under 500 as we speak. One of uh, there are 10 SEC teams ranked in the poll this week. Um, it's a story we've been following all year long and it, and it keeps coming up. So, um, uh, Holly's going to take the lead here in addressing some outstanding hitting pitchers in the three spot in our batting order today. Holly. Well, I feel like this has really been something that goes in cycles where back in the day, um, we used to see a lot of pitchers hit Michelle Smith, 
you know, I think you can speak to this maybe more than anybody, but that used to be the norm that pitchers hit. I remember Danielle Laurie, Kalani Ricketts. And then I think for a few years, we really got away from that. We didn't see as many. But this year, I think, is the resurgence of the pitching hitters. So Shelby Sanceri, in that we talked about that win against Georgia, she hit 500. She had a team high, eight RBI, three doubles, and a home run. Um, she's hitting second on her team at 463. And she's not even the best <laughs> pitcher. Rachel Garcia right now, second in the nation in ERA at a .50, hitting 341. And then um, you guys talk for a minute, but I've got a couple of other really notables of people who are doing it in the circle and hitting. Well, we're going to see uh, Sam Shaw for Oklahoma State this weekend. Megan Good from JMU has, is just outstanding. I mean, throws the ball hard, can hit for power as well. Shelby Sunsiri for LSU off the charts of 463 batting average. Now she's she is seven and four in the circle, but it was early in the season. A couple of the games that LSU lost, she was in the circle because they were playing top top ten teams. But Shelby Sunsiri has been bashing. She did much damage in Athens against UGA, and if you mentioned it, Rachel Garcia. There's just a lot of good ones, and I love to see that. I love to see that pitchers are are, are two way players, and I know someone else who loves that as well as Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, and you know, you, you mentioned the, the ton of names and it's so hard now because there are so many that we could talk about, but Miranda Elish for Texas. I mean, how many other players can say that they threw a no hitter and hit a grand slam within the same game? She did that this weekend. Um, so it, there's so much fun to watch play, but here's the thing, you guys, and Michelle and I know this, we're working harder than anybody else on the team as a hitter pitcher. We're running around the field trying to take ground balls, trying to pitch, and Kayla, I know that you're smiling, and, and I'm sure there are players who work harder than some of those hitting pitchers, but we're literally having to go take ground balls, then run into the bullpen, and go get our bullpen in, and then run into the batting cages, and go take our swings, and then come before practice, stay after, so it's literally, you have to work so hard, and keep your body in shape, eat the right things, stay, stay in shape, so it's tough to be a hitting pitcher and you, you really credit them as almost like a, and I know everybody's going to laugh at me, but it's like a unicorn on the team or within the softball <laughs> world. I, that's how I know you, Michelle, you're laughing. They're really special players. They really are. But when you have them, it, it does a lot for your lineup and your team. Well, I was going to ask you, Amanda and Michelle, I mean, how do you find the balance of working so hard in the circle? I mean, is hitting more of a release. I mean, obviously you're still like trying to perfect your swing and everything like that. But what's that like between balancing the two? Kayla, you hit the nail on the head there. For me, hitting was relaxing. It was it was a part of the game that helped me de-stress from all the, the, the uh, pitching pressure. And, you know, when you're a pitcher, especially at that super elite level, one pitch can lose the game for your team. So that amount of pressure day in and day out at that level is just – you know, it bears and it weighs on you. So for me, hitting was like, maybe I got my frustration out. I was like, I'm going to bash this ball as hard as I can. And it's going to make me feel better about everything I'm doing on this field. I don't know, Amanda, how did you feel? Well, no, I, I feel totally the same. And, and what we noticed with Sam Shaw, Michelle, last weekend, whenever I covered Oklahoma State, was that her batting average and the, the times that she was pitching was about 150, 175 points lower than when she wasn't pitching. But why I attribute that is because Sam Shaw is the ace of the Oklahoma State team, which generally the hitting pitcher I would go out to say is usually the number one, number two pitcher. So they're pitching against the best teams that the, this team is going to face. So because her batting average is a little bit lower. She's getting a little bit more frustrated, but she's going up against the better pitchers on the better teams, not only in the circle, but also at the plate. So it's hard to keep that really strong, positive mentality too, when you're thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm pitching against Rachel Garcia, but I also have to hit against her. And my odds are I'm not going to get a hit, you know, because she has like a 0.078 batting average against her. So it's tough mentally to be able to stay in it, both in the, cir- in the circle and at the plate. Um, I wanted to just mention a couple other names. Lacey Smith of Virginia doing a great job hitting 473, also a pitcher. Marissa Ritzy of St. John's. Janessa Uligue of uh, San Jose State hitting 407. Jaylen Chesson of Lehigh hitting 403. And Hannah File of James Madison hitting 392. And I'm going to take this opportunity to yell at our boss who's joined us on Google Hangouts and won't mute her hangout. So mute yourself, Vicky Vegas. Vegas Vicky. (laughs) She can't respond because now she's muted herself. That's awesome. (laughs) Hey, it's always good to remember that 
that glorious year where Michelle Smith led the nation with nine <laughs> home runs. You want to talk about relaxing trots around the base path. All nine of them. Hey, that, you know, back then you had to hit with a telephone pole. You know, there was a, the ball was mush. The bats weighed 34 ounces. I mean, geez. Michelle, I'm only hearing excuses. <laughs> but remember, I mean, we've had some great World Series moments where pitchers gave up a run and then turned around and came up and hit their way back into the into the game. I remember Danielle Laurie doing Megan that. Megan Langenfeld. Rickett. Yeah. Megan Langenfeld did that with a home run yeah. for UCLA. So I just feel like it puts some power in your hands too. I love it. And by the way, be sure to tune in to Texas at Oklahoma State for some great pictures of Michelle Smith <laughs> hey, from back in the 90s. All I'm saying is that the mullet, the mullet used to be popular. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Woo-hoo. That was before so scrunchies who, who, and before visors. <laughs> it's so good. had the original mullet at Oklahoma State, you or Mike Gundy? Uh, I think it was Mike Gundy. <laughs> and then because we all loved Mike, we just followed in tune. He was the quarterback while well, I was is, there. Barry is, Sanders. I mean, you name it. Thurman Thomas. We had some good football players. Are we talking Barry about did not have a mullet. Was your mullet in any way, shape, or form patterned after Mike Gundy's? Well, mine was longer, you know, being a chick. So um, oh, yeah. his was probably okay. to the uh, to the cuff. Mine was mid-back. So it made it that much more exponential. Oh <laughs> so and good. listen, I used to so get good. asked all the time if I was a rock, if I was in a rock band. Seriously. I was like, is this what my haircut emulates? Being a yes, rock? you could have been. That's a good call there. Hey, and the second band. I was out of Oklahoma and that the waving, the wind, winds blowing down the plate, all that stuff, I was, man, oh. threw, it, threw it out, threw it out. I knew when I watched yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody recently, they reminded me of somebody. <laughs> Thank you, Holly Rowe. <laughs> well, this is a good time to, to uh, move into uh, two of the, probably the two biggest series that we're going to preview this weekend. Uh, that Texas, Oklahoma State, as well as Arizona, Arizona State. We wanted to put uh, the home run derby in the desert in the number four spot, in the cleanup uh, bat- order in the lineup here. Nice. Charge. <laughs> uh, because they are presently numbers one and two in the nation in home runs with 64 and 57. And I just got a text from Vegas Vicky. Vicky. <laughs> She has set three-game series, right, three-game series. She has set the home run over under at 12. So that means four home runs combined per game is our over under in the series. What are we looking forward to, Cats and Sun Devils, Kayla? Well, I mean, obviously we're looking forward to seeing a lot of home runs, and I think what you're going to be like – awesome to see in that series is there's four of the top 15 home run hitters in the entire country with both of the half Barth sisters, uh, Harper, Muli Polo from Arizona. So I think you're just going to see a lot of offensive production. And this is like mirroring the SEC. I feel like in the SEC, there's just been like this outpouring of runs. I think the Pac-12 is going to to start to veer that way as you get later in the season, you get a little bit more comfortable and you've seen those pictures, you got the scouting reports. I think these teams are going to have a lot of fireworks. Well, you mentioned 12, Beth, as an over-under. That's how many home runs Arizona State hit against Utah last weekend was 12. And eight of them came from the twin sisters, Maddie and Kendra Hackbarth. So you talk about two twin sisters that are just having a year. Uh, Maddie Hackbarth, um, the catcher for Arizona State, actually got USA Softball National Player of the Week because she hit five. So crazy numbers coming out of there. I think, though, turning to the other side for Arizona – I think this is their women's college world series year. And I think that with Taylor McQuillan, the left-handed senior pitcher for them, who to me has always had so much potential. I mean, every time that I've seen her pitch, I just think you are an all American. Why have you never gotten that honor? And why can you not put up the numbers to take your team to the world series? It is in her. And I think because it's her senior year, she's going to be able to take them with the monster hitting team that they have to the Women's College World Series. So to me, when I look at ASU versus Arizona, Taylor McQuillan will be the difference maker. But I will say, Arizona State might struggle without Danielle Gibson and without G. Juarez. Danielle Gibson, as a freshman last year, had a walk-off against Arizona, and G. Juarez came in with some big strikeout numbers and a win. So totally different Arizona State team, although they can still mash. You know, and the thing about Taylor McQuillan of Arizona, I think, Amanda, is she has some help this year. Alyssa Denham, their, their young pitcher, got her first career no-hitter this yeah. weekend against Oregon State. And when you talk about bashing it, Jesse Harper has 16 home runs this season. Three came last weekend against Oregon State, including a grand slam. 
and Malia Martinez added a three-run home run in that game in their third game. So I think that the the power in the desert is real and that McQuillan has some help in the circle I think is important as well. Yeah, and one thing I, will, I think is important too to look at uh, Arizona is that 70% of their home runs, they have 57 on the year. So 40 of their home runs are from those big three names that you talked about, How, uh, Harper, Palomino, and Molipola. And if you can shut down even one or two of those three, if it, it takes a lot of the power away from that Wildcat uh, lineup. On the flip side, Arizona State, they've got quite a few of their lineup that are uh, either double digits or close to double digits. So when you look at the uh, strength throughout the lineup, I think that ASU has a little bit of the advantage uh, over Arizona when it comes to just pure power. And, and we mentioned Taylor McQuillan, Beth, and, and Holly. We've talked about this before whenever we've covered Arizona, but Taylor McQuillan, their senior pitcher for Arizona, has Dwayne syndrome, and she cannot see out of her left eye. And Holly, I know this is a story that's really captivated you over the past couple of years and following her, but the fact that she is a pitcher and can only see out of one of her eyes is an incredible story, and we're actually going to do a feature on that Um and work on it for the next month or so. So um, just something to look forward to a little bit of a tease, but just when you watch her, just look at her and see how phenomenal she does. And she only can see out of one eye. It's impressive. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've got uh, the game on Sunday, right? Scarborough, are you out there on Sunday? I will be Arizona sunshine. Yeah. Uh, On E2, six Eastern, and uh, the uh, the phrase that you need to get in at some point so that we can revisit it is launch angle. I don't think that'll be a problem <laughs> with all the big bashers out there uh, in the, uh, the home run derby in the desert. Vegas Vicky has the over under at 12. I'm already feeling like that may be a little low. <laughs> the other, uh, the other big uh, uh, series this weekend is Texas at Oklahoma state. Texas does have a midweek game against Baylor. Uh, so they really can't focus just yet. But we will have Texas-Oklahoma State Saturday, E2, 8.30 Eastern. I think the uh, Smitete will be there right. for that one. Well, I'm excited to head back up to Stillwater. In fact, this will be the first time oh. I've called a game uh, in Stillwater since, well, working for ESPN or you know graduating what? from Oklahoma State. I know. I, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Eskimo Joe's and getting some of those delicious fries. I'll have to work out extra hard to burn those. burn those off but uh you know and you mentioned beth about the midweek game for texas oklahoma state as well plays wichita state that's a big matchup they need to really get it done i think that game on wednesday evening sets the tone for the weekend against texas so i think that's a really big one texas comes in with a nice pitching staff ellish o'leary have been doing a really good job so for oklahoma state playing at home It's going to be about the offense. They need to get it done. They need to get it done in the circle. Uh, We saw them do very well in two out of three games against Baylor and then stub their their toe in game two. So this is an Oklahoma State team that needs a little bit needs to be a little bit more consistent against a strong and turned around Texas team. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to bring up is we've talked a lot about Texas and the transfers and Miranda Ellish, but I wanted to point out that uh, Shaylin O'Leary from Texas leads the nation with a 0.45 ERA. She's the first Texas pitcher to start her career 10-0. and 0. Wow. So um, they have got some yeah. depth in their circle that I think is really interesting. And of all the angst and all the drama, and we're talking about the transfers, it's an incoming freshman that is actually making a lot of noise for Texas. So I think she will be somebody to keep our eye on in the future, kind of uh, put her on your star watch, if you will. And then for Oklahoma State, I didn't get to be on the podcast with the um, bat toss. So can I weigh in right this second for the Oklahoma State bat toss? Please do. Please do. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I thought it was freaking awesome. It just showed some attitude. I know that a lot of people don't like that and they think it shows up the pitcher or whatever. I thought it was, you know, bad, a blank, blank. <laughs> you can say Bro, that on the wanna, Do you want to say it? Bro, go ahead and say it for her. <laughs> Badass? Uh, I can't okay. say the other stuff, right? Okay. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was okay or not. A but, substitute I mean, ass remark. Thank you very Bro much. I, I always get mad when we want women to not be competitive and not to be who they are. And I remember talking to Sam Shaw that she was, she felt like, and this is no knock about anybody, you know, we fit at different programs, but she didn't feel like she could be herself at Texas A&M. And that's because, you know, Joe Evans runs a team first and she would kill you if you flipped your bat. 
Um, but Sam is sassy and big and she plays big and I, you know, she has attitude and I think it's important to be who you are and be competitive with attitude. So I like that. And, and honestly with her, I, I don't mean to, to change the subject because I feel like we've talked about the bat flip a lot. And even like Sam Shaw's dad was not happy with her. Can I guess you said last weekend, which um, it was funny because there's always two sides of the story, right? What's your coach going to think? What are your parents going to think? But <laughs> I, I, I'm really interested to see how Sam Shaw goes up against Texas. This is going to be a very big test for her. And then also in return, this is going to be Texas's under the helm of, of Mike White under his watch. This is going to be their first true big 12 conference test. So I, th- I think this will be a great series. I can't wait to see how both teams go up against each other and, and how it turns out. I, I would add a, uh, people are concerned about a third opinion, and that, of course, would be the seven-inning podcast <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Bemo, Horo, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, and Jimmy with you. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, we're excited. We're, we're um, uh, the new Julie Foudy podcast. You got to check it out. It's called Laughter Permitted. I believe this week's episode is with her longtime Stanford pal, Jess Mendoza, who is, uh, of course, very familiar to those of us here on the podcast. She, of course, delves into a little bit about calling MLB on Sunday nights. Something about a cockroach in a Dominican Republic bathroom helped get her out of a hitting slump and why scotch is her preferred drink of choice. We'll also hear from uh, nine-year-old son Caleb, who has also been on our podcast. I'd like to say he was on our podcast first. If you'll remember, he was on our very first podcast. We introduced uh, America to Caleb, and now he is on the new Laughter Permitted podcast from Julie Foudy. Don't forget to check that out. Um, We're all available on ESPN, ESPNW, uh, and your iTunes as well. Hey, Beth, Beth, i got to jump in here. Speaking of other other podcasts... As, as you guys will notice, the cool cat with the bat, Jenny Dolan Hill, isn't with us this week because uh, she got benched. I know, oh. I know she's our big hitter, but one she appeared benching. on a podcast uh, this week, and she didn't mention seven innings once during that podcast. So oh. she, she got benched. So oh. make sure if you're on another podcast, you got to at least hit hit seven innings once in there. And we okay. don't mind you getting out and about, but you gotta <laughs> you gotta reference the home sh- the mothership. Yes. He is kidding, by the way, before anyone starts <laughs> tweeting at us. Yes. That, that's, that's humor. <laughs> Hashtag humor. We do. Uh, by the way, feel free to send us your questions, your thoughts at Seven Innings Podcast. We heard from some friends up in the Great White North after seven weeks on the road. Minnesota's playing at home this weekend, everybody. And they have moved up to number 15 in the rankings. Don't miss them. And if you're anywhere near Arlington, Texas, go check out the Mavericks. UT Arlington this week picked up a second ranked, uh, a third win actually against a ranked opponent. They beat Baylor a couple of times earlier this year and led by Whitney Walton and Laura Curry. Um, they beat Arkansas this week under the direction of PJ Brun, their head coach and assistant coach. Charlotte Morgan, who may be a recognizable name to many of our friends here on the podcast. Um, As we know, it's also hoop season, Sweet 16, Elite 8 this weekend. Of course, we like our eight teams that head to the Women's College World Series. Can we put together right now, ladies, mid-season, who is our Elite 8? I'm going to start out. uh, I'll take the easy ones here. I'm going way out on a limb. I think we like UCLA. And Florida State right now uh, as uh, front runners to reach the uh, the elite eight, if you will, the road to the Women's College World Series. Who else can we definitely add to that list? And who else are we uh, we thinking are going to be there? Oklahoma, Oklahoma, nice. Washington, I think uh, Sis Bates and company doing a great job. They've got a couple of strong arms in the circle. How many yays and nays? I I I'd go a yay too on that. Do we, are we in agreement? You dub? I didn't write him down. I, I was going to say, I didn't either. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to set them aside. Who else? Scarborough and Bro. Do you guys agree on anybody else? Uh, I got LSU. I have LSU. Oh, all right. That's a good call. LSU is in. There's four. There's half the field. Uh, and I have Alabama. Alabama. I think got Texas, Texas. I say Texas, too. I, I said that a long time ago. I, I can't ever abandon that. I said yeah, it you can't go back on that now. <laughs> Texas. Texas is in. There's five. Yep. 
If we have Alabama and UW, we only have room for one more. Do we? Do we think? Uh, is it wow? Fun? Do we think Tennessee? Arizona. Yes. Did someone just are. say Arizona? I said Arizona. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote down Arizona and Tennessee. So instead of Washington, yeah. I had Tennessee. I had Arizona and Tennessee. Okay. What about Florida, right. ladies? I, yeah, I didn't have Florida on <laughs> Well, you know, it's a, it's a it's a really big. You can't have twelve. Yeah, teams. yeah exactly. We're, we're jamming twelve into the elite eight. Um, <laughs> what well, you know, Florida's an interesting story because it's a you know how is Barnhill going to be in the circle? But to me, yeah. B most importantly, can they bash? I mean, their batting average this year it's really all about Lorenz and um, Lindemann. And if you shut those two big bats down, they have struggled. Well, I think of a key for me is like, how do you get on the list is you win a series. That's what you have to do. You have to go win a super regional and Florida has yet to prove that they can win a series. They lost to LSU, Tennessee, and then lost two to UCLA. So they didn't even split with them. So I think that's a big indicator for me. You got to go win a series. All right. So we, we got, we got three teams in two spots, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee. Of course, we've Top got choices. we've got we've got Florida against Florida State next Wednesday Ooh. on national television. We've actually got both of those midweek games coming up in April. Well, what was that stat, Beth? I'm trying to remember, and I'm going to go to my my um, history files, AKU. Um, what was the stat that a team's never started out like 32 or 31 and 0 and not made the Women's College World Series? Mm. So, yeah, I it, I think you're right there. And, and again, this can change. At the midway point, I've got a hard time keeping Alabama out, knowing that their schedule is very backloaded and yeah. that could change in the next month. Yeah, and you know, and a, a note on that is Alabama's um, RPI is mm-hmm. 11 and obviously plays into their schedule. My worry for Alabama is their youth in the circle. Yeah. Uh, Fouts, very good, but a freshman. Um, and so that's, that's my little bit of worry right. for them. I'm, I'm making the call right here. And so this is as of right now today, UCLA, Florida State, Oklahoma, LSU, Texas, Alabama, Arizona, Tennessee. That's our elite eight at the midseason point. Let's move on to our seventh hey, Beth, inning Beth, stretch. You continue, yeah. uh, those are all yes. really big schools. No JMU. That's You read my mind, Jimmy Softball. Oh. I literally was sitting here going – I. I should have said JMU. I believe in them. Do we have do we uh, do we have a quorum to move JMU in? And who are you taking out? Who are you taking out? It, you know, part of it is the seating. So I think the seating and how the yeah. committee looks at these, um, you know, non-power five teams is going to be crucial this year because where you get placed in the bracket, we saw that really impact Minnesota two yeah. years ago. And I, I just think that however they see JMU and however they finish out their season is crucial. That is that is yeah. a forward projection, not as and, and, of today. All right, Michelle. Okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, and my worry about Tennessee is is the injuries. You know, Allie Shipman is out for the year. Um, that affected yeah. them greatly because it's moved around uh, their their uh, defense quite a bit through the middle of the infield. Um, so. The other thing that worries me a little bit about Tennessee, and I love Maddie Moss and um, Kaylin Arnold, but they haven't, the last two to three years, they haven't been able to get it done. And so they don't have experience winning a Super Regional. Final vote. Give me yays. Move JMU in and Tennessee out. Who's a yay on that? All right, I'm going to say go. yay. I'm going to say yay. Yeah, I'm, one yay. One I'm, I'm with you too, Holly. Yay. I say we want. We, we, need, we need a Cinderella, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, if we're picking Cinderellas next week, we need to all pick a yeah. Cinderella. I, I've got a couple next, that I would blurt out right good. now, but I I want to hold save it for that. next week. Next okay. week, save it. Next week, party crashers. Next week, party crashers. Tennessee is our elite eight. Um, little baseball reference, but we'll have fun here since it is the at seven innings podcast. You know, the seventh inning stretch is that pause where everybody t- takes a break, uh, sings a little take-me-out-to-the-ball-game, grabs another beverage or a dog, whatever you need to do. We are going to take our seventh-inning stretch right now as an opportunity to talk about player of the year, transfer of the year, maybe the story of the year. Um, and who wants to uh, start us off with uh, – let's go player of the year. Who's our, Who are some names right now that we should be considering? Player of the year. Um. I have Rachel Garcia again, <laughs> that going back to back for national player of the year. She has more RBIs than runs allowed. She's only allowed in the circle 10 runs. She has 29 RBIs. So she's undefeated 12 and 0 record 0.5 ERA. I have her. I agree. 
Yep, I agree as well. For freshman of the year, I have Montana Fouts. I think she's come in and been a difference maker for Alabama. Um, just great, great numbers in the circle and really has turned that program around from last year to this year. Yay. I yay on that. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing on Rachel Garcia. So her ERA when she won player of the year last year was 1.31. She's at 0.50 right now. Nice. And and hitting better than she was last year. So she is the Wait, wait, let's get back to freshman of the year. Let's get back to freshman of the year. Amanda, you had like 17 freshman pitchers, and we're just automatically going to say it's Montana Fouts? (laughs) Oh, I I had written down uh, Shay O'Leary for Texas. Um, And Montana was – I mean, it was between Montana and O'Leary, but I I went O'Leary. All right. I, I think Montana Fouts is pitching in a more difficult conference. I think she's facing more good hitters every every week. Um, I just don't think the Big 12 is as deep. So even though Larry's done a great job, I was putting her up on that list. I think okay. she's not facing the kind of hitting that Fouts is. Well, and for me, most importantly, is Fouts doesn't have a Miranda Elish to rely on. So that's the only reason why I picked Fouts is that she's the ace. And I think O'Leary is maybe the 1B instead of the 1A. Exactly, Michelle. When I think about player freshman of the year, it's like if you took them off of the roster, where is the team standing? If you take Rachel Garcia away from UCLA, they're probably, you know, good, but not great. And I think if you take Montana Fouts out of the Alabama lineup, I I think that they are a middle of the tier SEC team. And right now they're at the top. So I think that's where I look at those things. And it's really important to me. Stats aside is what do they mean to their team? What's their value? And I think that's what I look at for sure. How about coach of the year, uh, bro? Are you are you you voting for Murph right now, or do we like what Kelly I is doing um, you know, at UCLA? I, I actually think about Beth Trina. Yes. I think she won the transfer oh, game. Nice. I, that was who my initial thought was. It was you know who did the best coming out of the transfer portal, other than Mike White, but that was a little different. Uh, I, I think Beth Trina wins it for me. I, I have uh, for coach of the year Pete Demore for Virginia Tech. Last year, Virginia Tech finished seven and sixteen in the ACC. They're already eight and one. Last year, Virginia Tech finished twenty three and thirty overall. They already have twenty seven wins, twenty seven and four records. So I, I can't wait to see how this plays out in the ACC if Virginia Tech can push Florida State. Uh, right now, they both have one loss, but a lot of game to be played. But uh, they don't play each other actually either in ACC. They. Uh- they took the biggest jump in the poll this week, up five spots. I would like to throw out Larissa Anderson of Missouri. Missouri yep. kind of she inherits a really chaotic, hectic situation there, and all they're doing is causing havoc in the SEC, upsetting number one Kentucky in the standings this weekend. Yep, yep. Um, how about uh, transfer of the year? Is that Amanda Sanchez right now, or is that Ellish? Which where are we going with that? Uh, Lindeman. I, I'm going off script again. This is a junior college transfer, but I'm going Molly Jacobson for Old Ness. She came from Des Moines uh, Community College and she has not given up an earned run yet in the SEC. Big fan of hers. Ooh. I think that she's a great addition for Old Ness and, and propelling them into the top 25 rankings too. Amanda, I'm so glad you brought her up because I've gotten to see her two weekends now and she is legit. She has a nasty yeah. change up and she's like, I mean, we, go back to Caitlin Lee, but I think she's better than Caitlin Lee right now and has a little bit more talent. So I she's a lefty. So that was huge. Why did she end up in junior college guys? You, you that have covered her. What's the story there? I think she was just a hidden gem. I I don't think that she was known. She's from Iowa. She went to Des Moines, Des Moines community college. And uh, I think that they just found her late. She's a late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was one of those States that plays their softball in the fall. So a lot of times those kids, um, are, are forgotten a little bit and, uh, or the summer as summer through the fall. So I think that unless you're on somebody's radar, they can be definitely under the radar. Michelle, who was your pick for transfer? Um, I probably would go with Amanda Sanchez, just the way that she changed the dynamics of that LSU lineup. I mean, she, you heard Tim Walton talk about how he's one bat away from their lineup just really exploding. Uh, she was that one bat in the lineup for LSU that really helped change things around because then you have Sinceri behind her. You've got um, the other Sanchez. So it's, you know, it's funny how that one bat completely changes everything. And and we haven't even mentioned G. Juarez yet undefeated for yeah. Oklahoma. I think that's the story of the, of the year so far at the midseason point is the transfers and the impact they could have 
with teams that I, I think all those people we mentioned have a shot at getting to the World Series and winning a national championship as a result of those additions. So um, some midseason awards at the midway point, our seventh inning oh, stretch, Jimmy, which leads us into our favorite part of the show. This week on Shaggin' Stats. Florida, Kendall Lindemann is the Louisville Slugger NFCA Division I National Player of the Week. After hitting 556, she went 5 for 9, 6 runs scored, 11 RBI in a 2-0 win over Minnesota, 5 home runs last week. Um, she is shagging some stats. Uh, I'm going to somebody who I officially put on my all-name team. Uh, that is Christina Biggerstaff. She doesn't need a bigger staff because she throws oh. for USC Upstate. Oh, and she... <laughs> uh, Amanda. Yes. But, uh, uh, she has thrown nine shutouts. Those nine shutouts are more shutouts than 267 entire teams nice. in Division One. So pretty impressive. Kayla, what do you have? Well, I got, you know, hit up on Twitter about, you know, who's leading the NCAA in hits. And so I got to shout out my shagging stats is for Brianna Rober from Georgia Tech. She's got 51 hits, which leads the country, 455 batting average. And oh, by the way, they play on the SEC Network tonight against Bama in Tuscaloosa. Thank you, bro. I'm moving on to, uh, it's not necessarily shagging stats, but it's shagging some fortitude and some inner strength. We we questioned how Taryn Alvello would come back for Washington after a rough outing against UCLA, and she did just that with a nice bounce back, picked up a couple of wins in the uh, Washington series win over the Oregon Ducks. Smitty? Well, I'm going to be a homer and talk about Oklahoma State because mm-hmm. I'll be heading there this weekend for that big matchup uh, when Texas rolls into town to to face uh, the Cowgirls. I'm going to go with their leadoff hitter, Riley Bala. She is um, getting on base. She has a 4 76 batting, excuse me, on base percentage, 28 walks in 32 games in the pokes. Oklahoma State is 6-0 when she has multiple hits in a game, so she's a big part of their offense. And for my shagging stat, I feel like you guys have been a little off on the uh, voice this week, so uh, I'm going Southern Miss. (laughs) Alyssa Davis, this weekend, 15 RBI in 15 plate appearances. Two grand slams. So... That's definitely some shagging some stats right there. Wow. That may be the best wow. shagging stats we've had yet this year. 15 RBI and 15 appearances. Woo! Good enough for conference player of the year, week, too. That was shagging stats. That's what I call shagging. Nice. <laughs> Folks, we are, uh, we're down to the bottom of the lineup. It's time to turn over the uh, lineup to get back to the top. In the nine spot, ladies and gentlemen, give me some Jimmy. All right. So that's a good intro, Beth. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Amanda. You mentioned that you were a fan this weekend at the games as opposed to working it. I just want you to tell us a little bit uh, about your experience and uh, you know what it's like to be a fan and not working. I felt like a kid at Christmas. I, I can't even tell you the last time that I was in a stadium watching a game and I didn't have to call a game either before or after. I, and I, it literally brings tears to my eyes because I was just so happy to be there. And what made me even more excited is that I got to watch my alma mater go up against an undefeated team that I wanted to see in person, Alabama, and do it in Davis Diamond. That stadium is so incredible. I had the time of my life this weekend, and I am so thankful for it. I really am. Kayla, when's the last time you were a fan of an event? Uh, I would say uh, I went to the Florida State-Tennessee game at the uh, St. Pete Clearwater uh, Elite Invitational Tournament and got to watch that game because I was done working, and I sat with one of my former teammates, and it was warm, and it was like nice evening, beautiful evening. I was down the left field line, and uh, Florida State made that incredible, like, robbed home run play. Like, it was so great. But what you kind of forget sometimes is when you sit in the crowd is sometimes the fans can be really hostile. I was, like, shocked. I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot what it's like <laughs> to hear some of the people expect so much out of these 18, 19, 20-year-old girls. Like, it's unbelievable, but it was awesome. <laughs> Holly, Holly, uh, let's go with um, what. What's an event you'd like to be a fan at? Oh, the 2020 Tokyo Softball Olympics. Um, I've put that into the universe, and I am going with all of my bestie softball friends. We've got we're going to go and rent a house and paint our Woo-hoo. faces. Um, Beth Moans and I went to the London Olympics together. 
And we went to all the Team USA basketball. We went to volleyball. And it was honestly one of the best times of my life because we could cheer and just be fans. And so we're looking forward to doing that again yeah. in Tokyo. That, that, was a, that was a spectacular trip. I would encourage anybody, if you ever get a chance, to do that. This is also opening weekend for MLB. I'm excited to be a, a fan uh, of uh, the new look San Diego Padres. Uh, gonna go, gonna go to opening day uh, this week. This um, this week, here's something I, I'm gonna send this back out there for softball and baseball fans everywhere. Let's get back to the business of don't stand up and go get food and drink while someone's at bat. Wait till the end of the inning or the half inning, please. People are trying to watch the ball game. Thank you very much. And enjoy. Hockey, hockey rule. Brought to you hockey by Hockey grandma. rule. Hockey rule. Or, Don't get up in the like middle of the etiquette. play for crying out loud. Thank you. It's etiquette. It's like bowling. When someone is on the lane next to you, you let them bowl yes. their, their bowl, and then you take your turn. I know. It's all about <laughs> sports etiquette. <laughs> <sighs> we got anything else, Jimmy? Wrap it up. All right. I, I'm just going to say- I think we should wrap it up on that cranky on that, tone. <laughs> I, I want to spin it a little more positive, Holly. We got a great tweet. I don't know okay. if you saw uh, from friend, our friend Francesca Anea, uh, super stud at the University of Florida uh, years ago, um, who said, whenever I hear uh, someone say on the road to the Women's College World Series, they use Beth Moen's voice. And I run into people on the road when they love doing a Holly Rowe, Scheigenstadt's voice. Um, <laughs> or, or one of, can I tell one cute story about yes, that? Beth? I, I want so people we were, to send us their best impressions of all of us, whether it's bro, Scarborough, Smitty, send them to the at seven innings podcast so we can share in on the fun. Holly. So we were sitting there interviewing um, two players from UCLA last season and we're in the dugout or in the clubhouse talking to them. And one of the kids, I forget who it was, but she's like, I think it maybe was Bubba Nichols. She's like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. This is just so weird. Like I've listened to Beth Moen's voice all my life and now I'm sitting here and you're talking to me in that voice. And she was freaking out that the voice was like right there talking to her. So I just love that you are the voice of our sport. I just get choked up every time I think of that and how much people appreciate with, and love with, um, with what you've done for With praise like that, so I you. may just start speaking in the third person. So Beth Moen's is going to send us out of here and we will see all of you. On the road to the Women's College World Series. <laughs> <laughs>